0: Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Hey everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We have so much to celebrate, even though I know we're celebrating a little bit differently than we normally would It is an incredible thing to get to, to be able to celebrate together in your home, in your living room, no matter what you're wearing, no matter whether you're by yourself or with your whole family, we are celebrating not just the death and the burial of Jesus, but we today are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen And some of you old schoolers just said, he is risen indeed. We've got so much to celebrate and to talk about during our time together. Before we jump into the message, I just want to make it clear. I'm fully aware of the fact that there are two different types of people watching this. There are those who already believe in Jesus. And this message is designed to to pour gas on your flame, all right? But more than anything, this message is designed to really speak to you who don't yet know Jesus personally. Think about it like this. If you got a letter in the mail today and on the envelope was the letterhead of the most prestigious law firm in the country and you open up the letter unsure of why you're receiving it. And you read through the contents of the letter and it states that someone you've never met, uh, don't even know their name, had never even heard of them, has died. And they have left to you everything they own. And the letter states the high points of the inheritance. 16 houses all over world. The world, 46 cars in separate garages around the country and one hundred and seventeen billion dollars. What would you do? What would your first thought be if you got that letter? Well, probably your first thought would be this is a scam. 100% 100% a scam. This, this is like a Nigerian prince email. This is a scam. And you would think that, rightly so, because there are so many scams out there. But I wonder because of the size of the inheritance referenced in the letter, would you look into it? Would you at least give it a chance to see if it were true? I think you would. I know I would. That's what I'm asking you to do. With this message, we're going to walk through some really extravagant things that God has made available to you. And I'm simply asking you, if you don't believe in Jesus yet, to look into it. To be open-minded and look into using your heart, not just your mind, but your mind as well at all God says. And I can't cover all of the inheritance, but I can hit a couple of the high points. Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, says it like this. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, that's how I feel in this today. God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles, that just means those who aren't Jewish, about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. That's what we're talking about today. The title of this message is Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And we're going to walk through four of the top assets, so to speak, that you can receive as an inheritance from the God of the universe because of what Jesus did for you in dying for you, being buried, and being raised from the dead for you. So let's jump into this. First thing, point number one, because of Jesus, we are forgiven. Listen to what Matthew chapter 26, verse 28 says. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, when the Bible talks about sin, the Bible uses several different words to describe sin and, and sin basically means to miss the mark, all right? And let me give you the first of these several words. It's transgression. It's kind of a big word, but it, it just means the outward movement or act of sinning. That's what transgression means. What does God do with our transgressions, our outward acts of missing the mark? Here's what the Bible said. God removes our transgressions listen to Psalm 103 verse 12 he has removed our transgressions as far from us as the east is from the west now think about this for a minute God doesn't say he removes your transgressions as far as the north is from the south and there's a reason why because if you were south and you headed north you would eventually hit north why there's a north pole If you were north and you were heading south, you would eventually hit south. How would you know? You hit the South Pole. But if you were heading east and you never turned west, you would never actually be going west because you never turned west. East would never meet west in the same way. If you're going west, you would never hit east if you never turned east, so west would never meet east. What is God saying when he says, I remove your transgressions? Every one of your missing of the marks, as far as the east is from the west, he's saying, I am separating this from you forever. Once your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, God separates your sins from you forever. Here's the second word the Bible uses to talk about missing the mark. It's the word iniquity. Iniquity means the inward motivation that leads to sinning. So it's the inner desire, the want to sin. What does God do with our iniquity? The Bible says this, God releases us from our iniquities because of Jesus. Psalm 103 verses 2 and 3, listen to what they say. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Now, you might be thinking, well, it says forgives all my iniquities, not releases me from all my iniquities. Well, here's what you need to understand. The word forgive in the Bible means to release. Here's an easy way to understand it. You release someone from a debt. The only way to be released from a debt, though, is for the debt to be paid. Now, The Bible says that the wage or the debt of sin is death. That when I sin, the debt that must be paid is death. Jesus died on the cross to pay your debt. And here's really great news. God will never charge you for that debt ever again. Ever. Why? Because God can never charge twice for the same sin. He charged Jesus for every one of your sins that you've committed, that you are committing, or you ever will commit. God charged Jesus the price for your sin. And you, if Jesus becomes Lord of your life and Savior, your personal Savior, he will never charge you for that sin because he charged Jesus then there's the word sin in scripture that's the most commonly used word in the bible for missing the mark what does god do with our sins this is a great one the bible says god remembers our sins no more isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 i yes i alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and never think of them again now who do you think was saying that god is saying, he blots out your sins for his sake. How about Hebrews chapter eight, verse 12? And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody that constantly reminded you when you messed up? They constantly remind you of every time you trip and fall, do something wrong, make a major mistake. Aren't those people incredibly annoying? Yeah, of course they are. No one wants to be reminded of all the bad things they've done. Well, here's what you need to know. God is the antithesis or the opposite of someone like that. God remembers your sins no more when you make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. But here's what you have to really understand. It's not that God forgets your sin. God does not forget your sin. He just chooses not to remember it. God makes the decision to no longer remember your sin. Once sin is forgiven, it is never brought before us again. The matter is settled eternally, forever. One of the best things that comes with knowing Jesus personally is we are forgiven. Here's point number two. Because of Jesus, we are set free. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says this. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Okay, who is he? He is God. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased your freedom now John chapter 8 verse 36 takes it even further so if the son said to you free you are truly free in the United States we talk a lot about freedom people talk about the freedom to speak people talk about the freedom to choose people talk about the freedom to worship But I think a lot of people, when they think of the word freedom, they think of this. Freedom is the ability to do whatever I want to do. Okay, I would call that an outward freedom. And that's actually not the freedom Jesus came to give us by dying for us and conquering death. All right. He died to give us an inner freedom, not some kind of flimsy outer freedom. I'll say it like this. Jesus doesn't set us free to do whatever we want to do. He frees us to do what we ought to do. Romans chapter eight, verses one and two say this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. When you submit your life to Christ, sin loses its power and Christ's power takes over. So how does this change things for you, for me? What does this mean for us? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what this means, that the power of sin no longer has a hold on us once we make Jesus Lord and savior of our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it best. This means that anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Here's what we really need to understand about being set free because of what Christ did in conquering death. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus yet, and you hear what I'm talking about, and you say, well, Preston, you, you don't understand what I've struggled with. I mean, when we talk about the power of sin, I, I mean, I, I've done some bad stuff and I've tried to stop, but it just seems like I can't stop. Well, here, here's what's awesome. The man that just read that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is one of my best friends. And for many, many years, he did not know Jesus personally. And for many of the years, he didn't know Jesus personally. He was a raging alcoholic, not just an alcoholic. I mean, it, it was big time trouble and struggle. In fact, when, when everything kind of hit the fan, so to speak, an ambulance came and picked him up at a resort here in our city. He had passed out and they administered a, a blood alcohol test, a breathalyzer test, And his blood alcohol level was 0.42. I remember when the nurse told me, I had no understanding of what that meant. She said, We've had people expire. I'll never forget. She used that word. We've had people expire at 0.3. And your friend blew a 0.42. Your friend is in really big trouble and he needs help. Okay, how? Does someone go from being under the power of alcoholism to about six years ago, giving his life to Christ and not even feeling tempted to have a drop of alcohol since that day? How is that even possible? The Bible tells us. It's because of Jesus Jesus gives you the power to become a new person. So if you look back at all the old stuff and say, I don't want to be known for all that stuff. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Jesus gives you the ability, the power to change. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I I still feel like I just have to do it because that's the way I've always done it. You need to hear this passage, Romans 8, verses 11 and 12. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For those who would say, Preston, I just don't think I can stop. It's just always been this way. That's not true. Because of what Christ has done for you, you can step into new life and do away with the old way. Because of Jesus, you can be set free from whatever has had power over you. Here's what you need to hear if I'm talking to you right now. You don't have to live like this any more. Jesus came to set you free from all of that. Here's point number three, the third major asset we get in on as an inheritance from God because of Jesus. Point number three, because of Jesus, we have a friend. We have a friend. Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says this. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Okay, why would God say it's not good for man to be alone? Now, a lot of people liken this or attach this just to marriage. But God isn't just saying it's not good for man to be unmarried. In the New Testament, Paul says, hey, God creates certain people to remain single their whole lives. Now, some of you might be saying, some of the single ones are going, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Okay, that's how you know that's not talking about you. But in Genesis chapter two, when God says, it's not good for man to be alone, it's not talking just about marriage. It's talking about the way God created man. Okay, think about it like this. One chapter earlier, Genesis chapter one, the God of the universe, and I don't have the time theologically to really explain this. And if I'm being honest, I don't fully understand it because it's so big a concept to wrap my mind around. I'll just, I'll walk it out with you just briefly. Okay, okay. God, the Bible says, is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. In Genesis chapter one, God the Father is saying to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man, mankind, in our image. Now think about this, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So united Not just in purpose, but relationally. See, God isn't just a religious being. He is absolutely, certifiably a relational being. And God says, let us create man, make man in our image. Okay, think about this. Have you ever been lonely? Of course you have. But see, you think the reason you've experienced loneliness is because you don't have enough relationships. But that's not why you're lonely. You're lonely because you were created by God for relationship. Now, when people think about Jesus, most people, especially if you don't fully believe in Jesus yet, most people kind of think, oh, the son of God, you know, the big bad son of God. And they don't think about Jesus as friend of man. But I want you to listen to these words in John chapter 15, verse 15. Jesus is the one speaking here and I want you to hear how the Son of God talks about us. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything that the Lord told me. See, many of us don't even think about friendship with Jesus as an option. When we think about God, many people who don't yet believe in Jesus, they kind of think about judgment when they think about God. And here's what I would say. If you're really focused on the judgment of God, and that's one of the biggest reasons why you haven't given your life to God, I would say this. Being scared of the judgment of God may change your behavior, but embracing the friendship of Jesus will change your heart. I want you to think about all of the friends you have in your life. Let's think about them all. I'm sure you have some good friends. I'm sure you have some unreliable friends, right? And you may even say, I- I've got one or two best friends. Well, how do you define those friends as best friends? What separates them from the rest of your friends? Well, the simple answer is what they're willing to do for you. And the friend or friends who are most willing to do the most for you are typically our best friends. Jesus knew this very thing. And two verses before what we just read in John chapter 15, verse 13, listen to what Jesus says about a real friend. And he's talking, I'm gonna show this to you, about himself as a friend. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus laid his life down for you. That's part of what we're celebrating today. Jesus got up from the grave, but before he was put in the grave, he had to die on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? The simple answer is you. And Jesus says, hey, one of the ways I'm going to prove my desire to be your friend, your best friend, the likes of which you don't have any other friend like me, I'm going to show you greater love hath no person than to lay their life down for their friends. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus was willing and committed to his friends in such a way. He was so committed that he was willing to go to hell and back for his friends. Literally. Think about it. Jesus wanted you to look at the cross and have this thought. Unbridled. Unmatched. Friendship. Jesus wanted you to look at the empty tomb and think obsessive friendship. See, what's the why behind Jesus getting up from the grave, conquering death? I know there are some theological whys, but I want to give you a romantic why. Why did Jesus not stay dead? Yes, he had to conquer death. But what was the why behind it? I'll give you a romantic why. Because had he have stayed dead, he would have not been able to spend forever with you. So he got up so that he could spend forever with you, but you have to receive what he did for you. that brings us to the fourth and final top asset of this inheritance that God gives every person who believes in Jesus and makes him Lord and savior of their life. Point number four, because of Jesus, we have a family. Because of Jesus, we have a family. John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God, family. How about 1 John chapter 3, verse 1? See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children, and that is who we are. Isn't that amazing? That the God of the universe is the Father, becomes the Father of every believer in Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. When many believers or unbelievers think about God as father they can easily get a little bit confused because they've seen many many fathers fail in trying to be like God as father let me just help you understand something no matter how good your earthly father is or was there has never been, there never will be an earthly father who even comes close to being as extravagant and amazing as God as your father. And here's the difference because one of the things we see different dads do is love is dependent on production, performance. And if we don't perform, then, then if a dad is unhealthy, then a dad kind of takes it out on a child. Or some dads are abusive and we see all of these conflicting thoughts. And, and if we're not careful, we put those things on God as father. But remember, God is perfect. No earthly father has ever been or ever will be perfect. Only God is perfect. So how does God treat his children as it relates to the way he loves them? Here's what I would say in the most simple way I can. Nothing you could ever do could ever cause God not to love you. Now I want you to hear this from some of my friends. Romans chapter 8. Verses 38 and 39. Let this sink into your heart. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Either death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed. Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Lord, our Lord. Isn't that a beautiful scriptural picture of God's love for every one of his children? Who wouldn't want to get in on that? A kind of love that is literally unstoppable. If you don't know God as father yet, maybe your biggest reason has been, I don't want him to be mad at me because I screw up all the time. You need to hear this. Nothing. No thing. Not one thing. Not a million things. Not one billion things that you could ever do wrong or that were bad could ever Ever keep God from loving you. He loves you forever and always, no matter what. Every one of His children. This is how God loves. But here's something even more awesome about God as Father God becomes our Father when we believe in Jesus. That's what the Bible says He becomes our Father. Even more specifically, the Bible says that God adopts us as his children. Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. This is what God wants To do if you don't know him as father if you are an unbeliever you don't believe in Jesus yet you need to hear this God wants to adopt you well you might be thinking well wait a minute am I an orphan am I in a different family well the Bible says that before Jesus we actually are in a different family and it's a little bit strong Okay, so just remember, I'm not saying this just at you. I'm saying this about me and you, any of us before we make Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. Listen to what First John chapter three verse eight says: Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay, I know that's a little bit of a strong verse, so I'll, I'll use it on me. All right, but this is true of all of us before we know Christ personally, all right? So before I knew Christ, the Bible says that my first family, once Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says we were all born in sin. So my first family was not a good family. My first spiritual family was actually pretty bad, pretty evil. And that's what 1 John chapter 3, verse eight is saying, that if I had a spiritual father before Jesus, it was actually the devil. Because I was sinning and the devil's been sinning since the beginning. Let me try and give you a a sweeter and even more simple way of, of kind of describing this. It's as though God went to the orphanage of the whole earth. And out of all of the children he saw, he noticed you. And this is what he said. I want her. I want her and just then satan comes up and says ha sorry i got here first she belongs to me she's mine she can't be yours and god says no i'm going to have her she'll be mine satan says well if you feel that strongly about it let's make a deal If you really want this little girl, I'll trade you this little girl for your one and only little boy, Jesus. But before you agree to the terms of this deal, Satan says, let me just make sure you understand God what my plans are for your little boy. I'm gonna beat him ruthlessly. I'm gonna rip so much flesh off of his back, he's gonna wanna die, but I'm not gonna let him die that quickly or easily. But I am gonna kill him. If you turn your son over to me, I am going to kill him. And here's what the God of the universe, knowing what would have to happen if this trade went down, the God of the universe looked at you and said, done. Take my son. Now let me have my little girl. The God of the universe was willing to exchange his one and only son to give him up to die for you so that God could spend forever with you. See, we spend so much time talking about, you know, the best part about Relationship with God is forgiveness because I'm just bad, I've done a lot of bad things and I just need to be forgiven. It's the best part about relationship with God and don't get me wrong. That's why I started the message with forgiveness. Being forgiven by God is an incredible thing. I don't want my sins held against me forever. I'm glad because of Jesus, we're forgiven. But once you get to know God as Father personally, You come to understand this, that far better than his forgiveness is his acceptance. When he adopts you as his own child, he says, this is my daughter. This is my son. In whom I am so pleased before you can ever even do anything for him. That's the way he talks about you. God adopts us into his family. He accepts us. It reminds me of when I was in high school. I fell in love with a girl and I was convinced she was the one. I gave my whole heart to her. We dated for several years. I went off to college and my first semester in college, I'm thinking we're gonna, we're gonna get married. I'm not even gonna make it through all of college. We're just gonna get married. She she doesn't break up with me while I'm at college. She does something a lot worse. She gets engaged behind my back without ever even dumping me. Some of you might be laughing at that, and that's okay. Trust me, I wasn't laughing in that moment. I felt so much shame because I had never been rejected like that. And here's what I love. Rejection helps you appreciate being accepted. About a year later, I met a girl, started dating her and she's been my wife now for almost 20 years. I got to experience the acceptance my heart was looking for. But you know, what's really awesome, I learned when that girl rejected me and I started believing that lie. I'm not lovable because if I was lovable, no one would reject me like that. And here's what I learned. That girl rejected me because I wasn't enough for her. But God accepted me. He didn't just forgive me. He adopted me into his family he received me he accepted me he made me his child because I accepted what Jesus did for me listen to me closely if you don't know Jesus personally as a friend and you don't know the God of the universe as father as a part of his family you can know today that you are a friend of Jesus Christ, and you are a son or daughter of the God of the universe. Because of Jesus, you have access to all of this. you just got to receive it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Wherever you are, whether you're watching this alone, whether you're watching it with family or even friends, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to speak to one person right now. The person who would say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him now. I don't know God as father, but I want to know him now. If that's you, I just want you to just put your hand up. Just put it up before God. Nobody's watching you. Okay. Just put it up right before God. I want to know Jesus as friend. I want to be adopted by the God of the universe. Just put your hand up. Just put it up. I want to get in on the most incredible inheritance in the history of humanity. Better than billions and houses and cars. I want in on this inheritance. Just put your hand up. I want to be a child of God. Anybody else? Just put your hand up. Hold it up high. Come on, if you put it up, keep it up. Anybody else? I love it. Okay, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you can put your hands down. If you just put your hand up saying, I want to know Jesus personally as my friend, and I want to know God as Father, I want Him to adopt me into His family. I want you to repeat this simple prayer after me Dear Jesus, I want to know you personally. I want to know God as Father. I'm done doing life like this. I've messed up. I've tripped up. I'm not proud of everything I've done. God, would you forgive me? I want to know you as father. Would you forgive me of all my sins? I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe you raised him from the dead. I give my life to Jesus. And I make God my father. God, thank you for adopting me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What an incredible thing you just did. It's incredible. You're going to spend the rest of your life and the rest of eternity reaping the beautiful benefits of giving your life to Jesus and being adopted by God if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to ask you to do something. Would you just text the name Jesus? J-E-S-U-S. Just text Jesus to the number 24587. All right. And we'll get back to you. We want to reach out to you. We want to give you some information, help you in this journey as you've just made this decision to follow Jesus with all of you for the rest of your life. Now, We're gonna do something kind of special to wrap up our Resurrection Sunday worship time together. We're gonna sing one more song, but we're not gonna do it the way we normally do. We're gonna do it as a family, as the tapestry of the family of God. And I want you, if you know this song, sing along with my friends as they sing it. And if you don't know this song, you don't feel like you have to sing it. At least just let the words wash over you and find a place in your heart, all right? Let's celebrate our risen Lord and Savior. Let's worship him with all we've got. What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Thanks for joining us today For more information about Gateway Church Please visit us at gatewaylife.com Have a great week